Well, good morning, everyone. I'm back. I was sick last week. And uh, I was sick. I've been sick for two or three weeks, but just Bonnie thinks I'm too stubborn to quit. So I quit last week. Now, you're in, in your bulletin, of course, it says that we're going to talk about God's citizens, we're citizenship. But I wanted to preach this lesson for a reason. And I missed it last week, and I want to get it this week. And then you have the other lessons that, that, will, that will be in January that will take up from uh, the, those that I've submitted. But I do appreciate the, your tolerance and your patience and, and letting me talk about God's family today. The reason I want to talk about that at this time is because for two weeks in the year, in this country at least, and, and many others, the world focuses on family, really. Well, we focus on Jesus, that's true. And we focus on the new year, that's true. But we're, we're about family during that period of time. And the problem we have, and I'm, I'm going to ask each one of you to make a determination within your heart and your mind and your life that you're going to stand up for the family. Because the family is under siege. When, when we get a tear in the cloth of the family, it will soon become a rip in the fabric of our country. And the family is, is under siege right now. The nuclear family. So well, let's talk about the family. When we talk about a family, we're talking about a man and a woman and children. And extended family as well. Aunts and uncles, brothers, sisters, grandparents. We're talking about a relationship. Now, when we talk about the family of God, we're talking about a family that has had problems just like some of our families had problems. The reason, again, I want to go back to this time because in, in, in this period, the Christmas season and the New Year season, there's a lot of happy families, happy events in the family, but there's a lot of sadness too. A great deal of sadness because te families are torn apart. Families don't exist. Families have quit each other, quit on each other. So in addition to the happiness of family gatherings, there's the sadness that prevails over this time. So let's talk about God's lost family. You know, we're not the first ones to lose a family. Not at all. Adam and Eve. When God put Adam and Eve into the Garden of Eden, that was his family. But he lost them. They left home. Now, my children, Bonnie's my children, left home. But they didn't leave in the same way that Adam and Eve left home. They didn't go that way. They didn't go shaking their fist in our face and saying, hey, we don't like it here. We think we can get a better deal somewhere else. We, we think we'll enjoy it somewhere else better. They didn't say that to us. And for which I thank God, because sometimes that happens, and it may have happened in your family, that a brother or sister, an aunt or uncle, or father, mother, father, son and daughter may have left the family and said, hey, I'm mad. I'm mad, and I don't, I don't like it around here, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pout, and I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm going to 
sell up inside myself, and I'm not going to talk to my brothers and sisters. And when you have a family reunion, I, I probably won't be there. And I want you to feel that. I want you to feel the pain inside you because of my actions. Now, I see a lot of people shaking their head because you've experienced some of this, haven't you? You know that this is going on. When Adam and Eve left the Garden of Eden, they left under bad circumstances. And it wasn't long until, and the Bible says that the sons of men or sons of God married the daughters of women. And that probably tells us that there were some individuals who were still trying to stay with God, but they were getting drawn away and drawn off until finally in the book of Genesis in chapter 6, it says, they said the whole world had departed from God and the thoughts of men's hearts were evil continually. So God's family, can you imagine how, how that broke his heart? God's family left home and said, we're not coming back. We're not coming back. We don't like it here. We're gone. Well, it ended up in destroying the, the world. But God saved Noah and his family. Eight souls were saved by the flood. And the world reconstituted again. Think about the story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son left home and he went to his daddy and he said, Give me everything that, I, I, that you owe me, I guess is what he thought. His inheritance. Give me everything you owe me. And he went off into a far country and he, he wasted his substance and riotous living. He finally got to the point where he was slopping hogs and eating the slop he was feeding the hogs. And he said, Hey, it can't be any worse than this at home. Now, is that any reason for a child to come home? He didn't stand up and say, Hey, I love my daddy. I miss my daddy. I'm going to go home to my daddy. No, he said, The servants in my father's house, they have more than I do. They're taken care of. So he went home because he would be treated better. Wouldn't it have been nice in that story? Wouldn't that story have had a better impact? As we go along, he, God didn't give us that story to show the, the son's return and his great disposition. The father welcomed him home regardless. He came home and the daddy grabbed him and said, Oh, I'm so glad you're here. And he, he put new clothes on him and he killed a fatted calf and he took care of him. The point is, this young man came home because he hit bottom, rock bottom. Well... People didn't come home to God, really, until after Jesus died on the cross. And they looked at that and said, there's God's heartache for me. I know He loves me, and I miss Him. I want to go home. Now, that's the, that's the point when, what, that we're talking about in terms of family. Let's go back to family, though. God did not want us to leave home, but we did. He said, I've got to get them back. Now, it took a long time for us to come back. It took a long time until the cross. I don't know how many thousands of years. We know at least 4,000 years during the time after Abraham. We know that took that long. Why did it take so long? Because God wasn't willing? Not hardly. It's because it was going to be hard to get to crack open my heart so I could take a look and say, God, I love you. I want to come home. And I didn't feel that way until I saw Jesus on the cross. That's the first time my heart opened. My old dark, hardened heart cracked open and said, I love you, Lord. I love you because you first loved me. 
It took a long time. But God took another family. He said, okay, Abraham, here's how I'm going to work this. So in Genesis chapter 12, he, he chose a man by the name of Abraham. And he said, I will bless you and I will bless all nations through you. And so he, he changed his name from Abram to Abraham. And Sarah's name from Sarai to Sarah. And he took that nation and he said, I'm going to keep this nation together so I can bring about a family of the whole world. So he took this one man and said, I'll make you a family. I'll make you a family. And so we had a family. You know, when you look up, if you, if you have a, a, a concordance in your, in your Bible, a, a Bible concordance, you look it up and you look for the word children, you're not going to find children of God in the Old Testament. You know what you're going to find? Children of Israel. Children of Judah. Children of Levi. Children of all the different tribes of Israel. They didn't become children of God until after Jesus died on the cross and gave us the opportunity to come into His family. Isn't that something? When Jesus came to this earth, He was, he was uh, preceded by a man by the name of John the Baptist. And when John the Baptist came, he came to these people who God had selected as a family to bring about His Son, to keep His Son and get His Son to this earth. His name was Jesus. And get Him in, in the situation where He could bring about salvation. Anyway, John the Baptist came and he, he was preaching repentance. He said, get yourself right. That's what the word repentance means. Think about it. Change your mind. Get, 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 get to thinking right. In chapter 3 at verse 8 of Luke, that these children of, of Abraham, the children of Israel, that you read about in the Old Testament, these fellows had come to John's baptism, and John looked at him and said, Hey, don't be saying that you're the children of Abraham. Don't make that boast. Because God is able of these rocks to raise children of Abraham. He said, don't, don't, be, don't boast yourself of that. These people were no better than anyone else because they were not yet children of God. Jesus changed that, of course. John chapter 1 at verse 12 says, As many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God. Listen to that carefully. If you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, you've got the power to come into God's family. Now, that's going to mean that you're going to have to get out of some other family, though. You've got the ability to come into God's family. God had a lost family, and He wanted to get that family back. And the only way He can get His family back is through Jesus. Now, let's see if we can get this thing. God's new family. Now, when we talk about a family... We're talking about consanguinity, blood relationships. Isn't that right? If you go to a family reunion, you're going to be questioned about how you are related to different ones. You can be, you can be related by blood, or you can be related by affinity. You can marry into that family, right? Generally, though, the way you connect all of this, and this is one of the problems with uh, some of the moral turpitude that's going on today in regard to same-sex marriages, that's going to destroy the family. Did you know that? That that will destroy the family. There will be no more blood relationships. 
if that continues on. That's a, that's a real problem. Well, you can, re, you can relate by affinity, but man and woman together produce a child. Now that's the bond and that's the relationship. Relationship by blood. Okay. Now you can be related that way by blood or you can be related by affinity. You can be adopted. I know I've heard a lot of people talk about adopting children. And I've heard a lot of different comments about it. And you have too. Some say, well, you know, really, when you adopt a child, the adopted child should feel more privileged because they were selected. The other kids just, parents had to accept them regardless. <laughs> well, that's one thing, of course. But, but the point is, God chose us, even if we are adopted. He chose us and said, I want you. He really did. Well, what about by blood? Are we related to God by blood? That's the point, isn't it? Romans chapter 9, verse 26 says, It shall come to pass in the place where it was said unto them, You are not my people, there shall ye be called the children of the living God. Well, some people weren't, which is us. But he said, now you shall be called the children of the living God. Galatians 4, verse 4 through 6 says, For when the fullness of times had come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Wherefore, He sent forth His Spirit into your, of your, His Son into your heart, saying, Abba, Father. The word Abba means Papa. So he sent forth the Spirit into your heart saying, Papa, talking to God. He's our Father. We are adopted by him into his family. But at the same time, we are related by blood. Ephesians chapter 1 at verse 5 says, He has predestinated us under the adoption of children by Jesus Christ himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. So when we're talking about God's family, we're talking about those that are related by adoption, Yes, but we're related by blood. We're related to God by blood. If you're in the family of God, you are a blood relative. You're not an in-law or an outlaw. You are related by blood. In John chapter 6 at verse 53, and this, is, this is an interesting text because a lot of people read this thing and they think, hey, that really doesn't make a lot of sense. And it, it disturbs some people at the time. Jesus was talking to a group of people who had come to get something to eat. Jesus had been feeding the multitude. He had done it twice. And these people followed him because they thought they were going to get another free lunch. And when, he got, when they got there, he didn't do that right away. He began to teach them some things. And in verse 52, it says, The, the Jews strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Because he said... At verse 51, I'm the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. So Jesus is saying, you have to eat my flesh. The Jews said, how can this man give us his flesh? Then Jesus said unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of God and drink his blood. And drink his blood. You have no life in you. Now, how do you drink his blood? It is by opening your heart to the blood of Jesus Christ that was spilled on the cross. He washes you in his blood. 
Revelation 1 and verse 5. You become a blood relative <clears throat> in Jesus Christ. That's the way it happens. These people didn't, didn't, want to, didn't want to hear that. And he said, Whosoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. I'll raise him up at the last day. My flesh is meat indeed. My blood is drink indeed. We have to take Jesus Christ into us, into our hearts. He has to come into our hearts. And when he does, we become blood relatives, washed in the blood of the Lamb. A born-again believer comes into the family of God through the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, here's another text. I'm not sure how far we can push this, but I do know that we're related to God by the blood of His Son. I know that that's what happens. So in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and at verse 15, he says, I speak to wise men, judge what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless is it not the communion of the blood of Christ. Wow. You know, we just partook of the Lord's Supper a while ago. And Paul is saying this is the communion. This is the distribution of the blood of Christ. He said, "Is it the, the bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being many are one bread and one body. We are all partakers of that one bread. Behold, Israel after the flesh. Are not they that eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? Well, they were partaking of blood then. That is the sacrifices that they were offered. That they were, they were offering. Basically then, we are believers, are one family bound by the body and the blood of Jesus. And those who are in Jesus Christ, believers, share some family traits, right? So, believers that are in the family of God, okay, let's just back up this minute. You go to a reunion, and I, I, we used to go to them when I lived as a little guy back in Texas, we'd have big family reunions. And we'd, we'd go out into a canyon out around Amarillo, Texas. And we'd, uh, there must have been two or three hundred of us out there. Pittman reunion. And the question was being asked by everybody, what's your name? Well, my name is Cassio, and I didn't seem to fit in. Everybody else was a Pittman or a Logwood. Or something like that. Then you have the married individuals coming in. And so you're trying to get the name. Well, the family of God actually shares a name. You know that? We share a name. Or I should say, the family of God shares a name. They share the name of Jesus Christ. First John chapter 3 at verse 1 says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knows us not, because it knew Him not. Then in Philippians 2 at verse 9, it says, Wherefore God also has highly exalted him and given him a name, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow on heaven and earth, in heaven and on earth. The name of Jesus is the name that we wear. That's our family name. That's the family name. When you go down and you sign something at the, at the hospital or the doctor's office and so forth, they, they ask you what religious persuasion you are. You're a Christian. If you're in the family of God, you're a Christian. They say, well, are you a Protestant? Are you protesting something? Are you a Catholic? Do you belong to the Catholic religion? What are you? Well, wear the name of Jesus Christ. 
If you're in the God's family, uphold that name. It's the name of Jesus. The disciples are called Christians first at Antioch. So the believers have a family name. Is that correct? Does anybody disagree with that? They have a family name. And then the, the family has a family spirit. I'll tell you what. If you're wondering how you can identify another member of your family, of God's family, all you have to do is talk to them for a while. You know that? You will find a familiar spirit. When you're talking to a believer, you're going to feel the fact that that individual believes in Jesus Christ and you believe in Jesus Christ. And you're going to feel a relationship, a family relationship. You're part of the family. Now, sometimes we think, well, the way you can tell if a person's part of the family is the color of their hair, or their eyes, or their stature, or the color of their skin. Well, this is the way you describe someone who's related to each other. Here are the family traits of the family of God. You have the same name. Same name. And you have the family spirit. For as many as led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. Romans chapter 8, verse 9. You are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be it, the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. You'll, you'll know pretty, pretty soon in talking to someone and relating to them whether or not the Spirit of Christ is in that individual. You'll know that. You'll feel the, you'll sense the familiarity, the family resemblance, my friend. And that's, of course, comes through the Word of God. Gospel is the power of God unto salvation of all those that believe. So, in order to feel that affinity, you'll feel the gospel power. You'll know, you're all speaking the same thing. That's what Paul told the church of Corinth to do. He said, speak the same thing. Don't be divided. Speak the same thing. So, we also have family values. The family of God has family values. Look in Luke chapter 6. What are the family values? What, what does the family stand for? Well, let's see. Here's how the family of God can be seen. Luke chapter 6. And at verse 30, 32 it says, If you love them that love you, what, do you, what thank do you have? Sinners also love those that love them. If you do good to them that do good to you, what thank have you? For sinners also do the same. If you lend to them of whom you hope to receive, what thank do you have? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great, and you shall be the children of the highest. Ah, family values. They value other people over themselves. You're looking for, looking for a brother or sister? Looking for a lost relative in Christ? Look, look at these folks. Look at these folks. They have those values. Be ye merciful as your Father also is merciful. And family behavior. You know, it, it's, it's kind of tough sometimes when we, when we talk about behavior. We have to talk about what we are doing in, with our lives. And we have to talk about who we are in this world. Now, in, in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus said that sometimes 
your family is going to reject you. And he says, he that loves father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. He said, I didn't come to send peace on earth. I, I came to send a sword. So sometimes your earthly family is going to reject you because they don't like your values and your principles. But your family, God's family, is going to love you if you behave like all the other members of the family behave. That means that, that you, you do not accommodate yourself to the world. That you accommodate yourself to God. That you follow Him. And that your behavior is exemplary and above reproach. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 16-18 says, I'll dwell in them and I'll walk in them. He's talking about his family. And I'll be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be you separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing and I'll receive you. And I'll be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters. Behave like the family of God. Okay. We can either be part of God's lost family or we can be part of the family that came home to God. It's up to you. We're going to stand and sing a song of invitation. If you have an opportunity, if you feel like, hey, it's time for me to come home, Lord, I love you, then that's the time for you to, to make yourself known as we stand and sing.